0: Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Your host, Jesse Jameson, has a real treat for you. You are about to hear a great story. And if Jesse brings his A-game, some good commentary too. And later on, we'll let you know how you can join Jesse as a guest. Now, without further ado, here's Jesse.
1: Welcome to another episode of Jesse Jameson and Friends. Today's friend is Taylor from Phoenix, and her story is the not-so-secret proposal. Taylor, thank you for joining us. The floor is yours.
2: Okay, well, my story actually goes back to seventh grade. That is the start. And I had grown up as a competitive dancer. I spent most of my afternoons after school at dance studios in ballet, jazz, hip-hop, you name it. Um, But this particular year in seventh grade, the studio that I had been uh, part of was really struggling financially. And we actually, for a time, lost our building because there was a change in ownership and we didn't um, we didn't have studio space. So for a few months, we had to begin rehearsing at other dance studios. And one of the studios we started rehearsing at was called Uh, cutting edge and it was in the far west valley and so we go and we start rehearsing
1: how old are you at this time
2: um I was in seventh grade so I think I think I was about 13
1: was this was this kind of your first experience in the world with you know lack of funds when it comes to a company obviously that means a lot to you I mean, thank God they didn't say, hey, we're going to be dancing in the parking lot tonight, right? So they found other places that I assume were a little bit more affordable. But you're kind of describing a scenario where are they kind of moving from place to place to place or are they at least finding a place to be solid at?
2: Yeah, for a while it it was really uh, a strange experience because we had to basically check our email on a weekly basis to figure out where our rehearsals were going to be that week. So sometimes it was at a school's gymnasium, um, but eventually once we found the studio in the West Valley, in Goodyear, that was when we started to have more stable rehearsals. And the new owner of our dance studio was friends with the owner of that studio. So we actually started combining our rehearsals. And that is when I met um, my now husband, Spencer. And the funny thing is at the time, you know, we're in seventh grade, so we're all young, but kids start dancing as young as three years old. So In the rehearsals, when I saw him, it it was not the scenario where you're like, oh, my gosh, love at first sight, like puppy, you know, puppy dog eyes. I had literally no thought in the world. I mean, I was I was a very, very girly girl inclined to have lots of crushes, you know, on boys all the time. But with him, I thought he was in like fourth grade, like he looked really young.
1: (laughs) So he looks younger. You um, weren't really enthralled by him. What type of ratio is there boys to girl at this point? Um, you're you're rather young, but you're still at that age where you find boys cute, right? Were there multiple boys? Was he like one of only a couple? And were there other boys that you thought were more cuter?
2: No, I want to say he was the only boy at that studio. And our studio at that point was so small. We had never had boys, at least to my knowledge, um, you know, the Arizona dance community is big but small, you know, in the competition sphere. Everyone kind of knows everyone. And there had been a, cute, a few boys here and there, you know, at the competition scene. And typically, you know, you'd go into a ballroom of hundreds of girls and there might be a handful of boys. And so, you know, it's a big competition where you're all flocking to see, okay, well, you know, can I be this boy's friend or can I be that boy's friend? Um, but yeah, at the, at that studio, I think he was the only, the only boy.
1: Did he have a a certain look that maybe we could, you know, does he look like anybody famous or did he just have like a plain look (laughs) that didn't necessarily do it for you? Did he have pretty eyes? Did he have anything going for him?
2: Well, I mean, yeah, of course he was cute. Like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking like that at the time because I just, I really thought he was very young. Um, but, you know, he, let me see, he, to me, kind of, in present day, looks like, I think his name's Josh H- Hutchison, Hutcherson, I'm forgetting, um, or he'll disagree with me. Sometimes I think he looks like Tom Holland, who uh, played Spider-Man in one of the many versions that exists now. But back then, mm, you know, he was very ginger. uh very pale. Um, (laughs) some of the photos, I think he kind of looks like, uh, kind of like Malcolm in the middle. Like there's a few of his very young, young photos where, where he might look like Frankie Muniz, but not, not to a T or anything, maybe similar though.
1: Now, was he starting to flirt with you or right now it's just, Hey, there's this kid, um, named Spencer. And you're not necessarily thinking, you're probably thinking more about hanging out with the girls in class than talking to this boy at this point, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. The, you know, like I said, we were a competitive studio. So I think uh, even on a very, very, you know, small, basic level, there was a little bit of like intercompetition, you know, studio dynamics where, yeah, we're practicing in one space, but you guys are our competition. We don't, you know, we don't really interact. And it's more of like a, of a tension, I would say um, very small, you know, that their, their studio was less competitive than ours. We went to a few more than they did, I think at the time, but, um, yeah, you're right. At that time, I was just more focused on quite frankly, being, you know, building my popularity and social capital in my own dance company versus trying to get, you know, on his radar.
1: You're going to hate me for this Taylor and I apologize in advance, but I read a lot of books. Do you read?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay,
1: and and are you the type like me that about a quarter of the way through, you start to kind of try to put the pieces of the puzzle together and maybe even make a prediction about the ending before it gets there?
2: Yeah, totally. So
1: the title of your story is The Not-So-Secret Proposal. And now when Spencer comes on the scene, we know right away that he's the solitary boy. And one of the things that boys use as they're getting older um, is competition to kind of hone their skills, so to speak. So I just want you to know that's where my mind's thinking. I'm thinking he doesn't have any competition. He doesn't have any game. And he's about to mess up a proposal. But at this point, he's still a kid. So I apologize again. Please continue.
2: (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, so... Basically, you know, that entire year was it, it, nothing really progressed that year. We practiced at the same studio. Um, I don't think we even introduced each other. You know, we did not become friends. Um, the next year, eighth grade, I believe I went to a different dance studio. He went to a different dance studio. So we both shifted. Um, so, you know, we would again occasionally see each other at competitions, but it wasn't something like, oh, there's Spencer. And he was thinking, oh, there's Taylor. We didn't know each other at that point. We had just been acquaintances.
1: I'm sorry. You just said eighth grade, correct?
2: Yeah. The next year. Yeah.
1: Uh, Okay. So my question is, is you're obviously in junior high, I believe, and I might've even started late for my age, but I believe I started getting interested in girls in sixth grade. In eighth grade, you are interested in boys. Is your school the type of school where you have quite a few cute boys at this time? Because obviously you're not thinking about Spencer at this point. Are there any boys on the radar?
2: Yeah, yeah. I actually, I went to a charter school in the downtown area. It was an arts school. It's very small. You know, most people have hundreds of kids in their grade. Mine was, I think, a class of like 40 or 50, maybe 60. Um, and, you know, I, I think I can recall maybe a kind of so-called popular group of boys that was maybe about, you know, 10 people. And um, there was really, you know, one or two boys that I thought were cute that I had crushes on. Um, I, I had known a few boys from, you know, my girlfriends at the at the dance company Um, they had boys in their neighborhood. So sometimes hanging out at each other's houses, you know, we'd go like ride bikes or just hang out, you know, in the neighborhood. And, uh, so yeah, of course there were boys on my radar and I had little, you know, boyfriends at the time. Uh, they weren't, <laughs> I don't know if you'd consider them real boyfriends, but you know, it's what we'd call each other. So,
1: so does anything change between eighth and ninth grade? That's uh, what your freshman year of high school?
2: Yeah. Um, so That's a big shift because from high school, I actually stayed, like I said, I was at a charter school in downtown and it was uh, at my time, it went seventh grade, I believe to high school. So I stayed there and the big change was that Spencer actually came to my school in ninth grade. And as I had said, the owner of my former dance studio was friends with the owner of his studio. So through those kind of mutual, uh, mutual acquaintances. Spencer had heard about ASA, which was the art school that I went to. He, his parents enrolled him there and, um, my friends were his friend, you know, we friends with him. So we kind of got to know each other that way. Um, so ninth grade, we start picking up our friendship, but again, we're not really that close. Um, you know, there are just, you know, other guys that I think are cuter and I'm hanging out with them and nothing's really happening. Um, he had, you know, dated some of the girls in the grade as well. And
1: does it scare you at all that at this point you've got a stalker? I mean, he's literally coming to your school, (laughs) following you. He's acting like he doesn't like you, but at the same time he's boiling on the inside that you find other boys more cute. Please continue. Oh
2: my gosh. This paints him as a total creep. No, (laughs) no, I, I genuinely do not think I was on his radar at that point. I don't want to paint him that way. That's
1: okay. So you're invisible. Yeah. Nobody, nobody notices you.
2: No. Yeah. I'm in. Well, I mean, I hope I'm not invisible. Jeez. But yeah, to him, I think at this point, we are both invisible to each other. You know, we had just known each other and it's fun to look back and say, oh yeah, I've known my husband since seventh grade. It's perhaps a little exaggerative.
1: Transparency is important. Please continue. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. So in sophomore year, there's another big shift. And that is that I wouldn't consider my friend, my group of friends like troublemakers, but a lot of them had just gotten various detentions, had a few suspensions freshman year. And by that time, their parents are fed up. They feel like the school is maybe more punitive than it should be. And they actually just leave. Like, my entire friend group just leaves the school, essentially. And I felt totally lost. And at that point, it was really only me, Spencer. And I did have my one absolute best friend in the world, Erica. But, you know, our group had gone from maybe five to six people down to three. And so at that point... Um, Spencer and I were both in the same ballet class in the afternoon because, again, it was an art school. So we had academics in the morning. We'd go to lunch. Then we would take a bus to a ballet studio and we'd practice there. And so where it really began was the um, the bus rides to the dance studio. We just, you know, it's one of those awkward things where you get on and you're kind of like, you know, the the dreaded lunch scene in those movies of high schools where you're like, where do I sit now? You know, when your friends are no longer there, Erica and I at that point weren't in the same ballet class. um, So we didn't take the same bus. Spencer and I just started sitting together and we'd kind of slowly become friends.
1: Okay, so this is really a cool story, but let me ask you a question because I'm 44. You look like you're really close to my age group. Um, Back when I was junior high and high school. I mean, did Erica warn you like, Hey, Taylor, don't fall head over heels for the guy. He's in ballet. I mean, was there any thought that, you know, why is he in ballet or is it something that's kind of normal at your school? Because I don't know, is it normal for boys to be in ballet at this point? How old are you? 40? You in your forties?
2: Okay. I am 25. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no only kidding. You look way younger than I am.
2: So yeah, yeah. at this,
1: at this point, we're in a world where maybe it's a little bit more accepting for boys to be in ballet.
2: Correct? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if it, if it wasn't in the, I, I like to think that the world is more accepting um, and a little bit farther along uh, in their thought process, but we were at an art school. This was by no means strange. This was by no means weird. Uh, we practiced at a professional ballet studio where Uh, dozens of men were in the professional company and did it for, you know, a living. So no, there was nothing at all weird about about him being a dancer. Did you guys
1: have traditional sports or was like ballet kind of one of the sports that people would be in or dance, I mean?
2: Yeah, no, because it was an art school, we didn't have sports. There were no football teams, no basketball. I don't think anyone at the school particularly missed it or cared because we were all a bunch of art geeks. So yeah, I think, you know, It's funny. I had never thought of it like that. But yeah, ballet would kind of have been the sport of the school because it was the only uh, physically uh, taxing performative art. Actually, that's probably not fair. I don't know how hard it is to play an instrument. But (laughs) like in terms of your whole body, your body as an instrument, dance was uh, perhaps most equivalent to a sport. But, you know, there were other guys who did. A lot of the guys did, you know, drama or there were, I mean, there were so many different cool instruments that they could pick from. So and choir, of course, but yeah. So we were in ballet and we became friends that way. Um, and it was just a very, very slow progression of we started as friends. And then eventually, I think you kind of always wonder, at least at that age, you know, you're you're obviously seeing everyone, you know, have crushes around you. You're, they're starting to date, And you kind of start to wonder, okay, you know, people make jokes, uh, all the other, you know, we had younger girls who would ride the bus and they would make jokes about you guys are going to get married. When we would sit on the bus and did um, they
1: sing the song to you, Taylor and Spencer sitting in a tree?
2: Oh my gosh, probably. Probably. So we have,
1: we have about a minute or so till break. It, at, at around this point, is it safe to assume there's probably a first kiss and was that awkward or was he really cool and suave or are we still quite a ways away from the first kiss? There's about a minute.
2: We're still a bit of ways. For, we're still a bit of ways. I would say, you know, it was a very slow progression. It was friends. And then once we started to realize we liked each other, even then, you know, um, it took some time. So it was, it, it, we weren't quite there yet.
1: See, that goes back to what I was saying, the competition. If there would have been a Bobby or a Joey in there trying to get Taylor's kisses, maybe Spencer would have been a little bit more aggressive. But either way, it sounds like he's a sweet kid. Could you tell at this point that he had a little bit of a crush going on you? Or were you noticing that you were starting to maybe get a little bit of a crush on him?
2: I think I was hoping he had a crush on me because I knew that I was starting to have a crush on him. But like I said, we, we were both competitive dancers and he was actually at this point starting to gain, I would say big, you know, massive popularity in the Arizona competition sphere. And he was starting to date some of the best, what I saw as some of the best competitive dancers in the state. So for a while I was like, oh man, like I'm not as good as those girls. I'm way out of his, (laughs) he's way out of my league. (laughs)
1: So we're going to take a quick break. Right now, Taylor is literally at the point in the story where she's becoming invisible. Uh, We'll take this uh, back on the other side of the break, Taylor. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it comes to financial planning, most of us would probably rather have a root canal. Math, budgets, keeping ourselves and our loved ones secure after retirement, planning for retirement, risk, reward, and the like. How do you find the answers you need? Tune into Fiscal Fitness with John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina. They'll help you feel more secure in your investments and your future. Listen every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, That's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com
3: There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear and listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you tired of feeling disconnected and shut down? Since every choice has ripple effects, lasting happiness is a product of the choices we make each day. Tune in to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead introduced you to authors, musicians, artists, and innovators, all actively engaged in designing a world that works for everyone. Make sure you're along for the ride. Tuesdays at noon Pacific, three p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Follow us on Twitter at Voice TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America T R N.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and friends.
1: Welcome back uh, to Jesse Jameson and friends Taylor. I'm really enjoying this story because when I was in junior high and high school, you know, I don't know, you first get introduced to people of the opposite sex or at least I did. And I was just a big bunch of butterflies and I was always excited around girls and stuff. Um, At this point, you said that he's starting to get popular. He's actually starting to date some of the more well-known successful dancers at this age you know this because everybody knows each other in the dance circuits in Arizona, you said, and you're kind of not wanting to be invisible. You're wanting to be more visible on his map, I'm assuming. So please continue your story.
2: Yeah. So um, I think the best thing that happened throughout that time was just from sitting on, you know, the bus. And obviously we had exchanged phone numbers. We really did develop a very strong friendship to the point where, you know, when he would date, you know, I think he dated a few girls from school and he had, you know, dated girls in the competition scene, you know, it was kind of to the point where we would talk about it. And, you know, uh, and when he would go through a breakup, I would ask like, Hey, you know, I remember one morning texting, him like, Hey, I heard what happened. Like, are you okay? And, um, you know, and so I think it was just a really strong friendship. And then final- finally, finally, um, what?
1: <laughs> I was just wondering, were you like, yeah, she's a skank. <laughs> that stupid girl. I mean, what are, what are you saying at this point? Are you, are you trying to basically oh, take his side in the arguments? Like even if he's in the wrong, is it one of those type of things?
2: No, I don't think so. Cause like I said, like it was so slow that I was pretty sure I had a crush on him. I still wasn't even positive. Um, you know, there was a part of me that was like you know it's like is it a cliche to date one of you know the only boys in the competition scene like is it kind of weird you know you're like it, you know I was just like I don't know like I like him but it might be odd and uncomfortable and you know everyone knows who my boyfriend is and, and it seems so ridiculous now but it's like in the dance world he kind of seemed like a celebrity at our age you know and so it was like ah, I don't know if I want the drama that goes with dating him you know <laughs> But no, so I I don't think I had any like animosity towards the other girls. It was more really just like a good friend of like, hey, you good? And, um, And I think through there, you know, eventually it became clear and I am kind of a blunt person. So finally, one day when I was pretty sure that he liked me, I was like, okay, look. I don't really like to play games acting so dramatic in high school. he's was like, I don't really like to play games. Um, just tell me, you know, yes or no. Like, do you like me? And if you like me, like, are you going to ask me out? Cause I don't want to wait anymore. And, uh, and that's when he was like, uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I do. And I'm um, sure. Like, would you like to go out? <laughs> and, um, so yeah. So that's how it happened. I think our first date was at a movie theater. We grabbed Starbucks and I think we both knew that we had very much bonded after that. Cause we saw super eight. And at the time, from what I remember, everyone loved that movie. Like everyone was like, it was so great. Oh my gosh. Obsessed with it. And we both walked out like that Freaking sucked. Like <laughs> that was an awful movie.
1: So you guys aren't necessarily going with the trends yet. You guys are starting to see things similarly, which is really a cool scenario. But I just got to say when I was in high school, right? I mean, if I would have gone into, you know, or gone up to the girl that I really, really liked and said, Hey, you know, what's the deal? Are you going to ask me out? You know, I mean, like I would have been like, Oh, for a thousand. And I was already like, Oh, for 999. Right. But like that just goes to show that women have it so easy. I'm so upset. Oh my
2: gosh! <laughs> Any, anyway, please continue. Um. So then, you know, we started going on a few dates to movie theaters. You know, I think we'd go. We went to, you know, grab lunch or dinner a few times, and um, and finally, he asked me to be his official girlfriend. You know, uh, in the summer, it was late July, and it was the night before I was actually about to leave for a summer camp in California, and I don't know why maybe it was just a matter of us both being very shy, but I had this label maker in my room and he just like typed it out on the label maker. Like, will you be my girlfriend? Question mark. And the funny thing is it's kind of a joke now. And I still have the label because we ended up keeping it, but it would always put a G or a Q at the end. So it was, will you be my girlfriend? G
1: that's awesome. So let me ask you a question. Um, Cause again, I don't think that's the smoothest way to ask somebody out, but apparently with you guys, it's like world-class, right? So um, my thought is, let's say I break up with a girl on her answering machine or via text. Is, mm-hmm. is there an equivalency there of what I'm doing with, you know, him asking you out? In other words, because it's okay for him to ask you out like that, is it okay if I break up with a girl just by leaving a message on her answering machine like, hey, I'm out?
2: <laughs> I would um, be very upset and I think most women or men, anyone, any partner, I think would be very upset to have been broken up like that. So I would advise you no, but <laughs> but we were also in person. Like it was kind of a weird, quirky fun thing you know, that was just uniquely us where we're sitting right next to each other yet. We're like writing out this little label. It wasn't even a text. I mean, how weird we were literally typing out a label to each other. So, um, you know, I said yes. And, um, and, uh, we started, you know, dating.
1: Was there a first kiss there? Yes. (laughs) Oh my. Okay. Full blown making out or just Oh
2: my gosh. It was just a little kiss. It was just a little kiss. Jeez.
1: Good girl. Good girl. Okay. Your dad would be proud of that. So let me ask you this then at this point, are you guys already naturally hanging out daily because of the bus ride or are we getting ready to take it up a notch and now it's going to be constant contact, you know, via email or computer or whatever.
2: So at this point we started dating just before junior year, I believe. And yeah, we were with each other uh, pretty regularly because we went to school together. We had the bus rides, we had dance together, Um, but we weren't at the same competitive studio until the next year, our senior year of high school. I decided to actually switch to his studio. And so from there, that was when we were together almost constantly, you know, we would go to school together. And then afterwards, you know, we're both driving at that point. Um we would go, you know, to my house or to a coffee shop after school if we had a slight break before dance and then I either I or he would drive us to dance where we would rehearse until, you know, 8 or 9 p.m., go home, repeat the next day.
1: Who's a better driver at this point? Him, I'm assuming?
2: Oh my god. Don't even that's literally the worst question to ask us. We get in very heated arguments. I maintain that I have never hit anyone or had any uh, tickets and he has had several. So I am the better driver. And that is a fact.
1: <laughs> um, Why does why is there an argument though? Because if he has these tickets and you don't, that seems pretty cut and dry. So I agree with you, but apparently there's an argument there. So even though you haven't caused an accident, do you think maybe indirectly you may have or he would he argue look- that?
2: He would, he would. He loves to share this story. I hate it. I can't believe I'm even sharing it. But he loves to share the story of one time he was like following behind me. He was in his car. I was in mine. And uh we were entering onto a freeway. And you know, we enter on and I get this call from him, and he was like, Are you okay? And I was like, What do you mean? He was like, You you just drove someone off the road. <laughs> and I go, What are you talking about? And he's like, the Mini Cooper in this dirt, like over there. <laughs> like,
1: just, Are you kidding? Is this a true story? No, I'm
2: literally. I mean, oh I,
1: my god, that's I so feel like so oh no,
2: funny. I have no. I'm telling it from his point of view. I have like zero. I mean, I have recollection of the call, but I have like no recollection of like a car being on the side of the road. I don't remember anything about this. But he says that I drove a car off the road and I didn't even notice. So, if true, that would be his argument for why he's the better driver. But again, I maintain I have never had a ticket um, and my record is clean.
1: Hey, if it's true, don't you owe a driver of a Mini Cooper an apology? And do you want to give it to her
2: now? You know, or him? If true, and if the driver of that Mini Cooper is listening, I believe it was entering the 51 in Phoenix from like Greenway Road or something. I apologize if true. <laughs>
1: It's very good of you. Um, If you're driving a Mini Cooper, obviously you're partially to blame. Get a bigger normal vehicle. (laughs) Um, So right now, you guys, are you guys in love? Are you still in like?
2: So at this point, the funny thing is, you know, earlier I had had explained how he was kind of uh, dating the really popular girls in the dance scene. And I figured he was out of my league. At this point, we're dating – And I would say that the tides have kind of turned where he is definitely, definitely more into me than I am into him. And, uh, you know, he would casually kind of joke and bring up like marriage or senior year of high school. And I was like, I mean, at this point, you know, I had always kind of had this vision of myself where I was going to be a career woman. I would go to New York, you know, I, I always assumed I would, you know, get married and have kids, but it wasn't really a priority to me. And when he would bring this up, I was like, are you crazy? Like, do you think I'm going to get married out of high school? Like, no way. And it kind of freaked me out for a bit. But that aside, you know, we were just a really good pair. There was something I always realized, which was that he was just such an amazing, good, solid person that, you know, obviously, like any couple does, we would have up and ups and downs. But I never wanted to lose him. And I think we both knew that inherently, that there was just something very good, a very good foundation we had built just from, I think, such a slow, slow progression of acquaintances to friendship to boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, and then, you know, through college, we continued to date. We eventually moved in. And um,
1: and then Wait, describe the moving in situation. Do you guys um Are you officially engaged when you guys move in or are you still in the, you know, he wants to marry you, but it's not officially engagement yet?
2: Yeah, we, we, I mean, I think we (laughs) both would have said at the time we were pretty confident that we would one day get engaged, but no, we weren't engaged yet. Um, But we had been essentially living together, you know, even before that I either stayed at his house or he had stayed at my apartment. And so finally, we were like, you know, this doesn't make sense. We can save money by moving in together, paying half the rent that we do now. We're with each other anyway. So let's just do it. And um, so we moved in together and we lived one year with us and one of my friends. So it's the three of us uh, sharing a two-bedroom apartment.
1: Was that difficult or was, was it fun?
2: No, it was, it was really fun because my, my friend had uh, also been, you know, a dancer. We had all been friends growing up. So it was a nice little experience. And, um, you know, she had a boyfriend who was over often. So, you know, we would occasionally have game nights, uh, playing Monopoly in the living room and, uh, you know, it, we lived in downtown at the time. So we really weren't in our, our apartment that often we would be going out to the parks or, or to different restaurants.
1: Were you guys playing Ouija board? I've been watching Paranormal caught on camera.
2: Oh my gosh, I would never, that's so creepy.
1: (laughs) So let me ask you this. Um, I don't know, I know this sounds horrible, but guys have competitions and so do girls. Were you ever worried about, you know, the fact that, you know, your boyfriend and your roommate are there and, you know, are there times where you're gone or is he just such an upstanding guy that you never really have to worry about that with, with him?
2: No. Yeah, no, that, and I'm very, you know, grateful. I know that, um, you know, people have had, you know, horrible experiences and that might be a, I could understand where that concern would come from, but no, you know, for me, I mean, that was my best girlfriend. It was my boyfriend. I loved them both dearly, trusted them immensely. You know, she had her own boyfriend. Um, Quite frankly, I don't think we had, you know, a similar taste in guys. So it was just not ever something that concerned me. And, um, you know, I would say probably the only time just from natural insecurities of growing up and, uh, you know, it being really my first uh, very serious boyfriend and dating experience was just, you know, there was a time when he was traveling for work and I would just get nervous because, you know, you can meet uh, the love of your life anywhere. And what if, what if I wasn't the one, you know, what if it was a mistake and, You know, how often is it that you actually uh, meet, you know, your spouse in seventh grade, you know, and in your high school sweethearts. So I was always afraid of that.
1: That's why I wanted to hear this story, because, you know, occasionally you'll see a couple and they'll be celebrating their 50th anniversary and you'll find out they've been together since fourth grade or something Mm -hmm. magical like that. Mm -hmm. I think those things are magical. Do you think there's a magical quality to those uh, type stories?
2: They, on the surface, they do. They do seem so magical. My great-grandparents have, you know, I think they're nearing their 60th year anniversary. And to me, that always seemed so cool. And, you know, obviously for their generation, it was much more common to marry at very young ages. And so I've always kind of thought, you know, the, the maybe the small little romantic in me was like, oh man, like, what if in the future we don't have, like, 50 and 60 year anniversaries anymore. Cause people get married uh, older, um, but digging below the surface, there's a lot of growing pains that you have when you are uh, with someone for, you know, from such a young age. And I think there were several points in our relationship where we, where we questioned ourselves. I think a lot of times, cause other people questioned us more than we did ourselves. They would say, well, you know, he had a few buddies that were like, you're, you're really going to marry this girl. Like, she's the only girl you've seriously dated. Like it wasn't, okay. That sounds bad. It wasn't, I don't, I hope it wasn't me. They were commenting on, I think it was that, (laughs) I think it was that we had been together since like, you know, we had known each other since seventh grade. Like had we had enough other experiences, I think people would, would comment.
1: Oh, it was definitely about you. They were talking of, um, (laughs) I, uh, I, 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 we have one minute till break. I'm kind of curious At this point, there's only one problem I can see um, with Spencer, and that's that he still isn't very good with his game, right? Because, number one, we haven't got to the not-so-secret proposal, but I know we're getting super close. So at this point, he's not very good at getting things by you, right? You're you're on to his game. So does he ever play pranks with you? We've only got 30 seconds till the commercial. Has he ever played pranks on you? And even are you just good at knowing what he's thinking before he makes his moves?
2: You know, I think it's that I think it's just that I know him so well. We've known each other for so long that it's very hard. You know, when you grow up together, you learn every detail about each other. So I think it's very hard for either of us to hold anything past the other
1: and in your guys's case it sounds like you guys are legit best friends because you're literally hanging uh, out each uh, you know day yeah. and i think this is a beautiful story we're going to take a quick break when we get back we're going to find out a little bit more about the not so secret proposal with taylor <music> our friend on Facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america
3: in business many leaders have a great vision but find their companies are lacking adequate execution transformative experts with host chris elias takes you behind the scenes with real life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the voice America talk radio network, the leader in live and on demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, That's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com.
3: Have you ever been interested in technology or the application? Technology is always changing and there is definitely a place for you in it. Listen for Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. Sharon and her guests teach you the skill set and present resources that help you incorporate and enhance technological know-how in your current career, as well as prepare you for future success. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN
0: thanks for tuning in to jesse jameson and friends do you have a super short story that you'd like to have jesse read on the show simply email him you ready it's jesse.jamison at voiceamerica.com and who knows jesse might just read your short story on a future show and now back to jesse jameson and friends
1: Welcome back. So, Taylor, the story's getting nice and juicy now. You guys are living together with a roommate. Um, I'm assuming you don't still live with that roommate now, do you?
2: No, after a year, we decided that we wanted to get our own place. Um, you know, my roommate had worked kind of at a place more north, so she was also looking to get out of the downtown area. At that point, we decided to move in together into a really cute one bedroom. It was actually in the same complex just down the hall. And I think we really grew as a couple that year. You know, it was just a really fun experience to just have a place to ourselves. We technically were adults, but we still felt like kids living in an adult world and kind of maturing together. And, um, and it was during that time that I didn't realize at this point he did sneak this past me. He decided to reach out to both my mother and my father to ask their permission to, um, to propose to me. And
1: what a good boy. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that's it sounds to me like you found a, a true diamond in the rough. So this is awesome. So he does the gentlemanly thing, which is to talk to both your folks To your knowledge, do both your folks and him get along?
2: Well, I know from my mother that, you know, he, um, she was absolutely thrilled. And I don't know, dad, what do you think? I mean, how was it?
1: (laughs) He's okay. He's okay. No, I love him. He's the best. So Spencer, I want you to come on and maybe tell uh, your side of the story. So to everyone listening, this is my daughter, Taylor. Uh, Taylor, I do thank you so much for sharing this, but there's still a little bit more to this story. So yep. I don't know. I, I don't know if a proposal has to be secret or it's just he doesn't want you to find out until he asks, right? So it's not like a big secret party he's trying to plan.
2: Right. What's right. What's
1: going on right now? Or is he starting to act weird?
2: He is, you know, we, like you said, yeah, it's not. it's not like we had never talked about it. We had, you know, like I had mentioned, you know, he would joke about it you know, senior year of high school when I thought it was crazy. And at this point we're living together. We had been together for, I want to say like five years. Um, We knew we would get married, but then, you know, he started having these uh, lunches and dinners with his mom and we lived in downtown. So he would go just, we had like a pita jungle right underneath our apartment And he would go and say, hey, I'm meeting my mom for lunch. And um, he didn't invite me. And I was, I mean, you know, we had been glued at the hip our entire relationship. So he starts not inviting me. And I'm like, what is this? And he
1: knows we love PETA jungle.
2: We are obsessed with PETA jungle. I love the lemonade. How could he not invite me to PETA jungle? (laughs) So rude. And I was like, his mom likes me. Like, what is this? And, um, I really, I really started to get suspicious at that point. And, um, it's funny in retrospect, there's funny how like some things I would pick up on, like, I knew that was weird that he was going to lunch with his mom without me. I knew something's up, but I didn't have like a, oh my gosh, she's breaking up with me. Cause I, I don't know why that would have anything to do with his mom. So I did start to get suspicious of like, mm, is something happening?
1: Yeah. But is that really weird? I mean,
2: it's not, it's not, it's not. So like I said, suspicion, but it wasn't like a sure thing by any means. Um, Then we go to, uh, you know, we would sometimes go to church on Sunday with his parents and afterwards we would go out to eat. And at one point his mom goes, Oh, you know, your, your fingers are so cute and dainty. Like, I wonder if my ring would fit you. And, you know, she passes it to the table and she gives it to me. And I kid you not, I think nothing of it. Like, I'm like, I don't know. And then I put it on and, you know, we see, I think it was maybe just a teeny bit big, but pretty dang close. And she was, oh yeah, that looks nice on you. And, you know, that was that. I thought nothing of it, which now I'm like, how did I not know? The giveaway, and this is so sad. It's such an anticlimactic giveaway. Um, You know, he, w- he was still traveling for work. And so every once in a while I would help him.
1: Wait a minute. We can make it more climactic. I'll put in, I'll put in a background rhythm. Bum, bum.
2: Bum, bum. Bum, bum. Bum.
1: All right. (laughs) Just go with it.
2: (laughs) So he's not in the living room and I see his backpack and maybe it was that day. Maybe it was the day before he had just gone to lunch with his mom. And it wasn't super abnormal for me to like occasionally unpack some of his bags from, you know, the work weekend. So I just kind of go to pick it up and I kind of look around and I kind of go through some of the pockets that like I'm not unpacking clothes, obviously some of the smaller ones and I pull out a jewelry card. And I knew I just knew, like, I don't know what else to say other than he's not a guy who wears jewelry. And that was the giveaway.
1: See, I would have been jealous because, you know, I'm different than you. I would have been like, who's this ring for you, SOB? You know what I mean? <laughs> I would have been like, you know, this ain't for me. I'm, you know, I've been invisible in your life for so oh my- long. Who is this for? Is this for our ex-roommate? That's what I would have been thinking.
2: Oh my gosh. Would
1: I have been a little off?
2: Yeah, I guess I'm just beaming with confidence. Never would I think it would be for anyone else. <laughs> um, yeah, I just like knew. And uh, this was, I think in November or December, I think it was December. And so I kind of just figured, okay, it's a matter of time. and. Um, you know, come Christmas Eve he had been getting a little uh nervous, a little jittery, you know, like just every once in a while, like I'd come in a room and he would kind of like pop or something you know and and um, and so I was like, oh man, like I might have just walked in on him having the ring or something, you know, who knows, but I know it's coming, and finally, on Christmas Eve, we have uh you know dad you came over and um we have you and we have I think you know Nana Connie joins us and we're just hanging out on Christmas Eve and I figure okay this is it like I think we go and walk to a park or something I was like oh perfect like he's taking us to a park there's probably going to be a photographer like this is so cute and it doesn't happen and at that point I'm like I start to feel like I'm being gaslit like this is weird like he's been going to lunch with his mom. I saw a jewelry card. It's Christmas Eve. Why is he not like, why is he not doing it?
1: It's that other woman, Taylor.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we go home and, um, and I start painting my nails. (laughs) I'm like embarrassed to admit I did. I was like, well, I was still like, it's just, it's going to happen. I was like, maybe it'll happen on Christmas. I feel like that's a little weird, but you know, maybe it will. So I'm like, I better paint my nails. So I start painting my nails and, um, he's looking at me and he's kind of smiling and laughing. And we always had this tradition of opening up one present on uh, Christmas Eve. We also had a family tradition of giving each other ornaments every year on Christmas. And so he goes, oh, Hey, like we haven't opened up our ornaments yet. Do you want to do that? And I was like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> I gave him a French fry ornament and, um, I just, I mean, I don't even know. It was just like a funny thing. You know, I thought it was cute and quirky. So his was a French fry ornament. And I open up the box from him. And it's this ugly silver bulb. And I'm kind of like, hmm, thanks. Like, this is nice. But it was like, I mean, it was ugly. It wasn't even like a nice bulb. And so then finally he takes from me and he opens it. And it is a ring holder, a ring case, jewelry case. And inside it is the ring.
1: Aw, what a good boy. See, so in case my friends are out there are wondering, it is true. Jesse Jameson not only has a ton of friends, a wonderful son, a great daughter, but I have the world's best son-in-law. And it sounds like he is romantic and it sounds like he does have game. Can he do, can he do a backflip though? That's the real test.
2: He can do a (laughs) backflip. He actually can.
1: So you said the bulb bulb looking thing was rather ugly or at least not the prettiest thing. But did the ring pleasantly surprise you?
2: Oh, my gosh. The ring was gorgeous. And I don't even know. Well, I guess, again, it just goes back to, like, we knew each other so well. And I, like I said, you know, I wasn't someone who, like, I really was not the little girl who planned my wedding growing up. I didn't really care about that. I didn't have, like, these fantasies about it. I didn't have a Pinterest board of, like, rings and weddings and stuff like that. Um, but it was this beautiful, very simple silver and um, – or maybe gold. I don't know. But, you know, it's silver looking. And it is just an oval-shaped diamond, Really, really simple and elegant. And I was obsessed with it. And he got it perfectly. I mean, it was beautiful. It is beautiful.
1: Did your parents, Taylor, ever give you any advice about being a woman or about a future husband or anything? Did your folks give you any advice?
2: Well, and I don't know if this is what you're alluding to, but uh, you, you, dad, you really did. You gave us this, like, you told Spencer... Absolutely adored this moment when he had asked you, you know, if it was okay to propose to me. Um, you had said something about, you know, just always make sure that you know you're together and and the wind will be at your back. I don't remember exactly what it was verbatim. Do you remember what it was?
1: Well, I was more alluding to the time in school, and I think Spencer will appreciate this. Where I said, "Don't be a hoochie, Taylor. You got to be a good girl." Oh and it sounds it sounds like Spencer is getting the rewards of daddy making you be a good girl. So that's, that's a good thing.
2: My, my character is completely attributable to you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> so how many years ago, Christmas was this? And then did you guys end up tying the knot? I should know this. I'm your dad. Anyway.
2: This was 2016. Yeah. Cause it was right before the new year, 2016, December. Um, and then we got married March 23rd, 2018 So a little over a year later, I was graduating in 2017. You know, we'd moved out of downtown. It was a a very uh, transitional period. So it took us a bit to get to the wedding. Um, But yeah, married in 2018. And, you know, we're looking forward to our three-year anniversary um, this upcoming March.
1: So even though it was a not-so-secret proposal, it was still kind of an outstanding timing because you had actually kind of throwing it up as in, he's not asking me right now. So just get over it, Taylor. And then all of a sudden it ended up being a Christmas gift, so to speak.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think he kind of threw me for a loop, you know, for a second, I really did. Maybe he knew I knew. And so he wanted to just play a little prank on me or something. Cause he, you know, it was Christmas Eve night that he finally did it. And I was like, geez, finally, (laughs) but yeah.
1: Do you still feel like a newlywed or do you feel like, Hey, we've got, you know, going on three years into the game?
2: You know, what's funny is we really were curious after we got married, if anything would feel different and internally it didn't, we had always been friends signing a paper really didn't change anything about our relationship internally externally it was nice you know we got married kind of young by today's standards I think we're 23 and um so being able to say oh hey like I need to leave work early today because I have to go pick up my husband from the airport versus my boyfriend you know I think there's a level of seriousness that people would apply to us now once we were uh, husband and wife but nothing I changed internally
1: And how does COVID come into things like, you know, this past year, everyone's been affected by it. You guys are still a new couple. Has has COVID given you guys any uh, difficulties with regards to schedule or, uh, you know, maybe seeing his parents or your parents or what have you?
2: I think COVID's thrown everyone's life into a loop. Um, You know, this past year, we had been doing a little bit of long distance. He's a professional dancer. And he was dancing for a company in Ohio and we would uh, visit each other every month. So we were still seeing each other frequently. And once COVID hit, I panicked. Cause I thought, well, I can't see you, you know, you couldn't really fly. And what, what was going to happen eventually? Um, you know, unfortunately the company had to kind of close up shop early that season. He ended up driving home. I flew out there, you know, as cautiously as I could. And we, we drove home um, to Arizona and we are back together here. And I guess it was funny to go from being long distance seeing each other once a month to every waking minute together because of a lockdown. But I guess our high school experience prepared us for that.
1: COVID brings us closer, you know, (laughs) I mean, it's brought you and me apart. I haven't seen you in months, but it brings us closer um, part of that is obviously, uh, my 96 year old grandmother, who is your great, uh, great grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, she's still, uh, clicking away. So we're hoping to keep her, uh, hidden from you for a little bit longer and stuff. So, um, yeah. did you guys ever go on a honeymoon and if not, or if so, where did you guys go and you got two minutes, tell us uh, how that went.
2: Yeah, we had the best honeymoon ever. We went to Paris and Amsterdam, um, One thing I would not advise is we decided, I thought it'd be adventurous and spontaneous to go the next day, right after our wedding. I just thought that'd be like really romantic. It was not in hindsight. Um, (laughs) You know, after a week or, you know, year of planning a wedding and then everything coming to a culmination, you know, one night was just, it's just a very overwhelming experience. And so then to have to race home after the wedding, make sure your stuff is packed and then we had our flight literally at 4 a.m. the next day. Oh, my God, the worst planning in the world. Don't do that. But once we got there, it was great. You know, we, we got to <laughs> do a lot of eating, uh, had a lot of chocolate in Paris, which was delicious. And Amsterdam was just absolutely beautiful. We got to see the tulip fields and, um, you know, came home. And it's just been, it's been a good ride ever since
1: you have something in common with my buddy Chris who did the first show with us a couple weeks back he and he and his partner uh, don't have children yet but they do have uh, puppies or dogs uh, do you do you guys tell us uh, your dog's name or dogs plural I think you had one the last time I saw you but I think you might have two now right
2: yeah we have we got Oliver um, the month before he proposed to me. In November. And he's the cutest little Chihuahua, Rat Terrier mix. And then um, we now have Daisy, who she's like a Corgi something mix. We don't even know. But they're hysterical, the cutest dogs ever, and we love them.
1: Well, I want Spencer and you to both know that obviously I'm hoping that before I leave this earth that I have grandchildren from you guys. So until that day, maybe get another beagle or, or a miniature poodle. I love those. And they, have you ever seen a miniature pincher? I love those dogs. We They're used so to have cute. one.
2: They're oh yeah, so we cute.
1: did. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> anyway, listen, Um, I want to let everyone at home know, thank you for uh, for joining us here at Jesse Jameson and friends Taylor. Thank you for joining us. And uh, till next week.
0: Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Jesse Jameson and Friends. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Be sure to tune in again next week for another great story. Jesse Jameson and Friends is heard every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Jesse Jameson and Friends is a proud presentation of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. All rights reserved.